Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Call to Scent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Scent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Alrighty, you guys. Well, welcome. This is Elizabeth. And um, what do you think? We put added music to the introduction to the podcast. I was really excited. I thought that was really cool. Um, Today, we're going to talk about progress, which is interesting because we just made progress on a podcast. But anyway, we're going to talk about uh, progress because almost every contemporary idea that we have in the United States today is based upon the idea of progress. All right. Well, we've well, I've talked about this in the past. We've pro- we've progressed te- technologically. We've progressed medically. We've progressed scientifically, but the idea of progress is far greater than that. And we think that since we've made all this other progress, that we are more advanced as a species. We are um, advanced as Homo sapiens or whatever we're called. But anyway, um, our progress, we think, is in our humanity, that we are superior human beings because we've progressed so far over the people behind us and every generation that came before. And I want to start with an example on that, right? Neurological studies are done on praying, and, um, and they can look at, do brain scans and look at our brain, and they can tell us what areas of our brain light up, and, and they understand that now, and they can see that in us. And neuroscience is seeking to understand the activity of the brain and to explain prayer, how it works. So, for instance, um, brain activity during Islamic prayer and the prayers of Pentecostal Christians has a similar pattern. They're the, they, they look alike. And the speculation among neurological scientists is that, they, um, both, that it has to do with surrender because in Islamic prayer, Muslims are surrendering to Allah. And in um, Pentecostal prayer, Christians are uh, surrendering to the Holy Spirit, ostensibly. So they have the same pattern in the brain. And these scientists have now understand this. And the next thing we know, what happens is then you see some report on the news and it's in some commentary in the newspaper or, or online or whatever. It says, scientists now understand prayer. Then goes on to explain about the brain activity. Everything I just told you is true. And um, so I found that it was easily accessible information. So when we hear something like that, and when we come across an article or a, or a claim with some sort of claim like that, I want us as Christians to be able to stop and to think and to recognize that this great advance isn't really much of an advance at all. Not really, all right? 
I mean, I think it's great that you can track the human brain and you can look inside there and you can see all sorts of different things. You can find tumors and stuff or whatever. But we don't understand prayer at all. I mean, we haven't advanced anyway in terms of prayer. You can you can understand what human what the human brain is doing during prayer, but you don't. We don't understand prayer at all unless. And this would be interesting. It would be very interesting if you could measure and track the intellectual activity of God during prayer. That would be an accomplishment. That would be an advance for humanity. But, of course, we can't do that, right? We're not nearly, I mean, so, so I want us to be able to stop and think and go, wow, we made this claim, and that is, that has no real substantial content to it. We're not really advanced, but they've discovered something. Let's stop, okay, and open with prayer. I want to stop here and seek a wisdom that is greater than our own. The world tells us it's wise all the time, and I want you to know that God is wise all the time. So let's open with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we have this. Um, uh, what do I say? We have this widely held belief that we are an advanced society, that humanity is advancing, and really, that is such a widespread, that is such a widely held belief that it permeates every aspect of our lives. And we don't even notice it, but it does. We, we it, it completely um, saturates all of our culture and all of our living, all of our thoughts, and it's. Um, we assume that we, we know more than has ever been known. We think that we have superior knowledge, and therefore we are necessarily superior people. Now, C.S. Lewis called this, um, he called it chronological snobbery, and he defined it thusly. Let me read this here so I can get it correctly. He, chronological snobbery, according to Lewis, is the uncritical acceptance of the intellectual climate of our own age and the assumption that whatever has gone out of date is on that count discredited. His point is, and this was true, in, and he died in 1963 maybe, I believe. Anyway, his point is that we, that we accept premises all the time and say, oh, well, yeah, okay, there you go, that's true. And um, therefore, you know, since we're advanced, that must be accurate. And we don't even, we don't think it through. We don't even, we don't even question whether or not the prior, the prior thought was, was wrong or anything. We just dismiss it and keep going. We accept all sorts of premises regularly without any serious thought about them at all. And so my opening illustration on prayer was to illustrate the nature of chronological snobbery. Because we have all this medicine, medical expertise now, and we, have, um, we can see what the brain is doing during prayer. We assume that science and scientists now understand prayer. Minimally, we think that they are telling us something important about prayer, which they are not, actually. I mean, whatever part of the brain that is lighting up during prayer has always lit up during prayer. And just because neurological research scientists can tell us what area of the brain lit up does not mean, does not tell us anything meaningful about prayer at all. I mean, it, it always lit up. And these sorts of assumptions, I have to tell you, these sorts of assumptions make me crazy. I admit, if you could see my brain light up, you know, inside my brain, when I hear people drawing conclusions like this uh, that stretch beyond what knowledge supports, actually, it would be an area of my brain where I am not praying, right? It would be the same area where children play hide and seek and they're trying to hide. In other words, I'm sitting there thinking, what an 
idiot. And then I pretend to hide from God. And, you know, as we all know, you can't hide from the Lord. And the Lord is much kinder and more compassionate than I. And for that, we're all very, very grateful. But it makes me crazy when I hear people draw these conclusions and we go, you don't have that. You haven't said anything. All you said is that you know what happens to a human being during prayer. You don't know anything about what God did during prayer. The challenge that we have today is that too many of our cultural leaders think this way. I mean, they truly think that they have knowledge that they don't have. Neurological science does not understand prayer. It understands what happens to human beings during prayer. Okay? Many philosophers, many scientists today are certain that we've progressed beyond God. And the reason is that they that they think so is because of a one-sided knowledge. It's just one-sided, what human beings have learned. You know, and I've said before, just because human beings know something doesn't make it accurate. If you, It's not within the context of what God has taught us. Right? You know, so, so scientists and philosophers who presuppose that there is no God and then proceed to examine human knowledge call that progress. Oh, look, we've made progress. And moreover, they believe that that progress um, has moved human beings beyond the need for religion. And thus, they consider all religious beliefs superstition. It's irrational. You know, as I have said in the past and as I say again and again, Human beings are religious by nature, right? That's true because we are made in the image of God and the human soul is constantly searching for God. And if you're not going to be zealous about God, then you're going to be zealous for something else. So the whole idea of human progress, that human beings are moving forward, that we're advancing, that we're improving, that that we are a superior species to, say, a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago or four thousand years ago or whenever, all right? This whole idea that we are moving forward is a fairly recent idea in society. And this, is, this is where it gets kind of complex, and I, and I hope I um, am clear in what I'm trying to explain. You know, like, historically, people didn't wake up and think, wow, I'm better than I was to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better than my grandparents, or I'm a superior person to my grandparents because I have all this, like, extra knowledge. They didn't think that. Uh, the idea that we are progressing and moving forward, that we're improving as a species, that human beings are, are different or better, is a new idea, given all of human history, like 300 years old maybe. It's part of modernity. Even the view of dividing human history into particular ages um, is a product of modernity. When we say things like, well, such and such occurred in the Dark Ages, then we are assessing um, history from a modern interpretation. The people living in the Dark Ages didn't walk around and go, oh my gosh, it's the Dark Ages. That's not what they thought. Oh, we're in the middle of the Middle Ages right now. No, those are assignments that are made in modernity. Right? And when we look from at, at history backwards through modernity, through the lens of modernity or whatever, we're making assumptions. Um, and we're using a modern interpretation. And when we accept those assumptions of, of modern philosophy, right, that history is divided into specific periods or whatever that we can count and mark the steps forward for human beings, right? That is to think with a modern mind. And you think, well, that makes good sense because I'm a modern person, but that's not so, not really. I mean, it doesn't make good sense to think that. The problem with the modern mind is the bias that I suggested in the openings, the, the, the illustration about prayer. Just because we've discovered something about human beings Right in prayer, and we think that, that we think that we have figured out prayer. 
But that's not true. That, that's a technological advance, but it's not an advance in human beings. Human beings have been praying for a long time. It's just a technological advance. It's sort of like the invention of tools. Look, we have a new tool for this. That's all it is. It's another tool that, we've, that human beings have created. But it hasn't altered human nature. It hasn't altered human beings at all. So for centuries... People learned new things. They discovered new facts about the world. They created new tools for living and, and to make life easier. What was it Benjamin Franklin said that, you know, necessity is the motherhood of invention or whatever? Laziness is the motherhood of invention, not one of the two. But anyway, you know, they would, people in the past would never have thought that they themselves were becoming more advanced as in, prior to the modern period and pre-modern period, they would not have perceived themselves as becoming more advanced just because they had a new tool. They found a new tool that they could use in some point. They would have thought, you know, it would not have occurred to them that they that this new tool gave them a better understanding of themselves. You know, it only helped them do a job better or more easily. Didn't occur to them to think that they were uh, a human being, a human person who was progressing beyond their ancestors. They may have thought, "Oh wow, man, my grandfather could have used this when he was when he was farming," but they didn't think that they were superior to their grandfather. That's not how they interpreted um, life and living. Only in the modern period do we do that. And why is this so important for us to understand today? Well, the answer is that because the idea of progress has convinced so many people that religion is unnecessary, or even worse, it, not a small uh, percentage of professionals, people like academicians or doctors or researchers and the like, who think that faith is an aberration, you know, it's important for us to begin to understand the threat that is, or not, I don't want to use the word threat because I don't believe in being unnecessarily intimidated or unnecessarily afraid, but the significance cannot be overstated that they think that when that religion is unnecessary, that, it's, that we, we are past that and it's time to move on, right? So if you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe that uh, he is at work in your life, you believe that he answers prayers, there are people who believe that you are unfit to be a parent, that you're teaching delusions to your children. And that is very significant if you believe, you know, that um, if, if, people, if people believe that you are harming children, by encouraging them to have faith in Jesus Christ. And yet that is not an uncommon thought in the United States today. Really. Let's take a break for a moment and come right back. What do you say? Elizabeth will be back in a moment. If you have questions about this or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All right, you guys. I want to start uh, back where I left off. I'm going to pick up that idea that I was I was working on. That w- the idea that we are harming our children by teaching them to have faith in God, and that and that is not a um, an uncommon idea among many of our elites in society today, um, particularly you know uh, the science type, the medical type, the, the not not. Not philosophers and atheists, we know they do, but I mean, I'm thinking more along the lines of like psychiatrists or whatever, that we're going to treat our children. Think of how often you see a psychiatrist called in or a psychologist called in when there is a crisis someplace. The one thing that I notice, in no matter what is going on, is that we never ever talk about what God might do in the middle of a circumstance, in the middle of a situation. You never see that as part of the discussion. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no sense of a spiritual world. There's no sense of a spiritual life. There's no sense of the human soul at all. 
So anyway, there there are people in our society today who um, influential people influences in our society that would have us believe that, or that would would try to convince you know others that we um, are, as Christians are teaching our children falsehoods that we're creating a fantasy land uh, for for them to live in. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not funny. It is funny. I want you to stop and think about um, our. I want you to think about that for a minute. In our society, that's what they think we're doing. Um, think about contemporary American culture. Right? We live in a society in which nothing is real. Nothing is true except for what you feel. Whatever you feel, that is true. Uh, you can create your own reality out of whatever's going on. Remember the quote from. What is his name? The Supreme Court Justice who's retired now. The universe. You give meaning to the universe. It's whatever your reality is. Like, good Lord, we have like an incredible ego to believe those things. All individuals can create their own reality out of their own feelings and emotions, unattached to any facts or any basis, anything anywhere. One, um, the only unacceptable delusion that we have today uh, would be religious faith. Religious faith of any kind, really, but especially... Religious faith in Jesus Christ, any kind of Christianity. Now, then my concern in this podcast and in every podcast is to help Christians step outside of the culture in which we live, in which we are immersed in the ways of thinking that are contradictory to Christian teaching. But more importantly, they, the ways in which we are immersed in thinking that keep us from knowing God himself, from encountering God himself. Because when we encounter God, we encounter life. When we meet God, um, uh, when we can meet God ourselves in that immeasurable place within us, the place that science can't find or measure, um, when we meet him there, we, life begins in powerful and rich and in promising and hopeful ways. Uh, and so we can't. We don't want to forfeit that, and and we forfeit that when we buy into some of the presuppositions that are part of our society. Progress being one of those. Human beings are, have not advanced contrary to popular opinion, and most of us have just absorbed that throughout our entire lives. We are an advanced society. No, we're not. We're not really all that advanced. All right. We may have advanced tools, but we're not advanced people. The one great accomplishment of modernity that we can really point to. What has been to free human beings from the strictures, from the restrictions of um, religious faith. And since modernity is a product of the West, freedom is from Christian faith specifically. That's the freedom that we get, or that's what the freedom that we're told we get anyway. And um, the vast majority of scholars of history revisit it, revisit history, and then they revise it, it's called revisionist history, and they do so by um, uh, redefining history in terms of advancement, how we're advancing and leaving behind um, superstitions and all that sort of thing and moving on into the rational, reasonable world of how I feel. Um, I didn't say that. That's not what my point. That wasn't the point. I was going. Anyway, we're going to move into the re age of science and the age of reason and the age of um, uh, medicine and stuff. All of history, at least in the Western world, is now reported as a long struggle out of primitive superstitions into the light of reason and science. That perfectly explains everything in American culture, don't you think? Reason and science? I mean, look at the world around us. Are we better than our 
human beings than our ancestors were? Are we really better? I mean, is there less greed, for example, or is there less desire for power? Uh, I mean, I'm not seeing it. Is there less selfishness in this generation than there was in prior generations? Are we less self-important or self-obsessed? You know, um, the answer to all of these is no. You know, the answer to so many questions about are we better human beings than we were before? Um, and all of the, the answers, no, we're not better human beings at all. When we listen to the scientists um, who have all these answers and academics who scoff at God, it reminds me of nothing so much as it does Genesis 3. It's this unholy temptation. You can be like God's. Oh, yeah, I like that. I'm answerable to nobody because I am like God. Okay. Almost nothing in human life is harder or more painful than letting go of the idea that we are not our own God. And what is so interesting about that little fact is that the human beings have had that same problem for centuries. Centuries. In fact, we've had that same problem from time immemorial, from the beginning of time. We have had that problem. You know? <laughs> Hello. I mean, you know, the modern idea of progress, modernity is all over this idea of progress, and it's trying to, they're going to solve the whole problem of Genesis 3 by eradicating religion. There you go. Let's just get rid of religion all the way around. We're not going to have any sin, right? If you just do that, you know, then, then all those problems will go away. And as a result, right, we're living in a period of time where a great many of us, uh, that a great many of us never imagined was possible. Okay, if you believe in sin or salvation, for example, um, if you believe, um, you know, uh, if you believe in sin and salvation, if you fail to embrace or support the ideas of progress, so-called ideas like the fluidity of gender, right, then you set yourself up to um, for antagonism. I want you to consider Jack Phillips. He's the Colorado baker who is now being uh, sued for the third time. For the third time, because he would not make a cake in contradiction to Christian teaching. I think it was some celebration of a transgender something. I don't know. Anyway, but, um, but if you're going to believe in sin and salvation, for example, and then you're going to fail to accept or embrace, I don't know, all the ideas of progress, then you are going to have to be marginalized. And, and they're doing that actively. I was reading an article a friend sent to me, and it was about a young middle school boy whose parents asked that he not participate in lessons on transgender ideology for reasons of faith that contradicted their Christian faith. So they put him in like uh, this isolation closet almost. I mean, it was like, it was like kind of like a punishment here. You could go over there in the dark by yourself. Not in the dark. I mean, there was light in there. But they left him completely by himself in a place with nothing. Here, sit here and be silent while everybody else is in here learning. You know, these ideas are seen as progress, and Christians are seen as backward and intolerant. And what I want uh, you to grasp is that neither of those statements is true, right? Human beings have not progressed. We're not, we're not getting farther along. Uh, progressive ideas are often very dangerous, and they are utterly intolerant. Witness poor Jack Phillips in Colorado uh, baking cakes, you know, and, and the young kid who's going to have to sit in, in, in isolation in a tiny little you know, spare room someplace uh, while they talk about transgender ideology, right? Um, these places, these are—it's an utterly intolerant. Uh, pro, uh, pro, these ideas of, of progress are utterly intolerant. They give us a false sense of self-control. That's what makes them so dangerous, and that we that we have control over so many things that, in actuality, we do not have control over at all. 
And likewise, um, being determined to live by the truth, being determined uh, to, if you're a Christian and you're determined to conform to uh, life as it's ordained by our Creator, then that is the source of all tolerance, all right? And the reason, the reason I say that is not because we agree with everything and we think everything is okay, but rather it is the source of all tolerance because we have a Creator who, who, who created human beings and holds that human beings have value, and therefore, they are worthwhile to know, to love, to be around. Now, I'm not saying that all Christians are tolerant. I know way too many Christians who are intolerant. You know, I've been known to be intolerant a couple of times in my life as well, if you think about it. That's the problem of sin. That doesn't make it who God is. That makes it who sinful people are, right? But my point is that all tolerance comes from the very idea, the very notion that our Creator values human beings, that He gave them value when they were created. You know, I started this uh, whole podcast with an illustration about prayer, right? And uh, the, the, the point, what I want to point out, right, uh, the point that I want to make is that discovering that, that, neurobio, that neurological um, patterns, dis- discovering, neuro- let me see if I can say this in one sentence, discovering neurological patterns isn't the same thing as understanding prayer, right? We haven't really learned anything just because we can see the human side of prayer, there was the time when no brain scans existed and the same activity was still going on in the brain. Just because we discovered it now and it's new information to us does not make it a new phenomenon. Prayer affected the human brain the same way millennia ago as it does now. However, the problem comes is that since we think we are advanced and we have progressed beyond superstitions because we think that we have learned something important about prayer, we now understand and uh, we believe that we have the power to change prayer and we can change people minimally, and this is what I find especially dangerous, many scientists and researchers believe that they've negated any need for prayer and if we just find the right medication to produce a comparable activity in the brain, voila, there you go. Superstition defeated, prayer not necessary, science prevails. That is a, that is a real school of thought in medical research today. It is also utter hogwash. <clears throat> what you really have are atheistic scientists trying to resolve the problem of faith. They're trying to raise us out of our ignorant pit of religious belief. I understand what they're doing. I'm not stupid. Yet these same researchers and scientists and and medical psychiatric types are making waves in society today that are not a full-blown storm yet, but they are saying all of that. They're beginning to promote idea the idea that religious faith is a psychological disorder. It should be treated by knowledgeable professionals. Isn't that terrifying? Wouldn't you hate to be a young parent and they come walking in and say, I'm sorry, if you believe in God, if you're going to pray over your child and teach your child to believe in fantasies and superstitions, we're going to take that child away from you. That was an idea that that came up recently. Um, What's scary about that is that these are the people who are teaching in our colleges and our universities. They are uh, informing the textbooks that are being used in grade school and in high school. They are working in pharmaceutical companies searching for drugs to try to um, save us from prayer. They're doing this mistakenly under the belief that they have knowledge equal to God. Rather, they believe that their knowledge is complete when it's anything but the fullness of knowledge because you can't have the fullness of knowledge apart from God. But here's what I would say to you, Christian. 
The thing is, if you can see Genesis 3 and the cadre of leaders that we have today, from colleges to Capitol Hill, then we know that human beings haven't changed at all. Genesis 3, they're just like Adam and Eve. Do we not understand that that problem's been going on? And so if we haven't changed at all since Adam and Eve, and you can see the same problem Adam and Eve had in the garden way back when, the beginning of time, that should also be cause for great hope for us. We should have great hope. The God who overcame the world in Jesus Christ is the same God who reigns today. He has power over creation. He has authority over creation. He's greater than the atheists who think they know more than him, who think that he doesn't exist. They're not. I mean, he's our God is almighty. And I cannot tell you that God's going to step in and fix America. You know, we haven't been a particularly faithful nation Look at what we're look at how we live. Look, I mean, where, where's the role of God in our society today? But I can tell you that false knowledge eventually collapses. Always. You can and should hold on to the truth because false knowledge will always collapse. There's nothing underneath it. Right? There's nothing to stop it. We make a mistake when we allow what is what what is seen, what we what we are seeing to intimidate us. We make a mistake. And we can't allow that to cause us to doubt. We can't allow it to keep us silent. That is a mistake in our world today. You know, can we not see how much our world needs divine love? How much it needs divine hope? Lord, how much it needs divine transformation. You know, um, the thing about it is is that it does not need divine judgment. That's not helpful. Christ came in the world to save, not to condemn. Let that be us. Let us be out there eager to save with love, to lay down our lives, give hope to people. I read an article the other day, y'all, and it was um, about the death of young people. It was under 25, I believe, but it may have been under 22. Um, Anyway, the number one cause of death, right, among white youths and young adults uh, was accidents. There you go. Car wrecks or, you know. I don't know, doing something stupid. Anyway, accidents was the number one cause of death among white youths. The number one cause of death among black youths is homicide. I find that to be appalling that that we allow black gangs and black youths to shoot one another and kill one another. Um, It's awful, all right? Uh, But the number one cause of death among Appalachian youths, this was very interesting to me, Appalachian youths are separated off because they use drugs so much. That was the number one cause overdose uh, from drug use. It was the number one cause of death among Appalachian youths. And the number one de- cause of death among youth in Silicon Valley. Are you ready? These are youths with every imaginable advantage that the world has to offer. They're wealthy. They're educated. Some of the best schools, the finest schools. They have abundant opportunities. They've traveled widely. They have access to the best of everything, greatest technology. The number one cause of death among youths in Silicon Valley is suicide. How can that not be heartbreaking? It is six times the national average in Silicon Valley. That breaks my heart. The important phrase in the statistic above is that they have everything the world has to offer. Christianity is not going to go out of style. Christian faith is not going away. The truth is not going to um, alter from one generation to the next. Truth is truth, and you can't change it no matter how much you wish. Um, the technical, technological progress is a good thing, but you know, the, uh, even great, it's even greater, I think, to have knowledge of, of medicine or of the universe. That's interesting. But none of those constitute progress in human beings. Not one of them. Human progress comes from God alone. 
There is progress for human beings, but it only comes from God. It comes when in his grace and in his love and by his Holy Spirit, we are transformed from mere humanity to children of God. That is how we are changed. Like children throwing temper tantrums, the trend in America today is to reject God. No, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like a 13-year-old. I know more than you know. I'm not interested in you. And for that reason, we have never needed him more. Right? We, never, we have never needed to be witnesses to his transforming love and his transforming power as we do now. I mean, I don't know. I mean, every society has needed God. But now is not the time for us to buckle under. Now is for us the, the time for us to realize what the lies are that we believe and that we need to be able to accept and begin to move toward telling the truth. You know, I could go along on this all day long. This is my, this is my soapbox. The world needs the love of God. And we need not to believe what the world is telling us all the time. The world has always been full of falsehood. It's always been full of people who believe that there are that, that they have all knowledge, that they're smarter than God, that they have the best way, or that they can force other people to live their way. I could go along, I could go on this all afternoon long. That would be a bad idea, don't you think? So I would say to you this: you need to stand firm. Christian, do not doubt but believe. Do not doubt but believe. God will remain long after the atheists and the mockers are gone. So you need to hold fast to your faith. And I hope that you will continue thinking with me and praying with me so that we can understand our world and our time more clearly through Jesus' eyes, through the eyes of Christ. This is the world he came to save in this generation. And he's invited us to be a part of it. So let us pray together. We'll continue to understand our world. See it more clearly. Let's close in prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout our day of your infinite love, your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your arms. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all be blessed now you're here. You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.